Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Double T. You know just how to welcome a Texas boy back. I just fell in love with Double D again. Give him out, give him out. Oh, you suck. I'm so ready for college football. And I just got back from Texas. It was wonderful. Thank you, Double D. Coming up in a couple minutes, the last time I was on this show, I made 43 bets in one day, a la Phil Mickelson. We will talk about that for just a little bit. Chelsea, I got to tell you, when I was in Texas, my mom, and God love, I love my mom, but the food, like it became a, a running joke with me and the lovely Catherine. I'm talking like there was every morning bacon, sausage, homemade biscuits, a ton of eggs, oh. jelly, gravy, and it was awesome. But the eggs, I always forget because my grandmother was an incredible cook. And my mom is a very good cook too, but they're old school. They don't care how much fat you put in anything. The fatter, the better, the better. And so the eggs were delicious. And I'm like, how's my mom just scrambling eggs and they taste this good? And I was like, mom, these eggs are great. She's like, oh, well, I put heavy cream in them along with a whole stick of butter. And I'm like, well, Jesus, no wonder. And so I was like, yeah, I'm sure it does taste good because when I cook eggs, I just crack an egg and scramble it. I'm not putting heavy cream in it along with God knows what else. And then there was this New Orleans dessert. It was amazing. I was like, mom, this is so good. She's like, yeah, I put this and this. And then I put a whole, like, you know, maybe like a half can of Crisco. And I'm like, God, no wonder. So the food was amazing, but also the fat content through the roof, through the roof. Made with love, though. Made with love. And a lot of butter. Isn't this and straight a lot from of like butter. the Paula Dean recipe book? <laughs> yes. Because this is how you cook in the South. You use a ton mm -hmm. of butter. You use full fat whatever. And I will say you can taste the difference. But if you eat it sparingly and not every night, because you're only there, what, once every couple of years, maybe once a yeah. year, 
Yeah. So I think it's fine. It's fine to splurge. And maybe if you eat a smaller portion, the problem with me is that I'm not great at the portion sizes. Like, have you ever read the back of like a chip bag or something? And they're like, one serving size, about seven chips. And you're like, what? Who eats seven <laughs> chips? I'm going to eat yeah. at least half the bag. So the portion sizes totally. are the problems for me. Uh, but yes, like butter makes everything taste better. Don't know if you've noticed yeah. that, but butter's number one in my it, book. It was everywhere. It was butter everywhere. It was great. And we did the whole Texas thing. Catherine went hat shopping. She got a cowboy. And I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you have because you live in the South where you just take a basic hat and then you have someone steam it for you and crease it in a certain way. And there's all sorts of different styles. So we went into a Western wear store. I bet we spent two hours in there. Catherine wanted me to get a belt buckle. I was like, honey, I'm, I'm not getting a belt. Like, <laughs> a big, like I'm, I am from Texas, but God knows you see me. Like, I don't need to be wearing some sort of rodeo belt buckle around. She got this hat steamed and curved in a certain way. Then we went antique shopping. So we did that. And then the crazy thing was, after all that, we decided we'd go to a wine bar there in downtown Granbury. And we're there and they couldn't believe like, wow, you're from Washington, D.C. And then about 30 minutes later, this couple walks in. They're from Arlington, Virginia, and they flew down to see his mom. So the girl behind the bar, Holly, she was great to us and she was freaking out. She's like, we never get anybody from D.C. And I got six people here from Washington, D.C. So we all started talking to each other. So that was a good time as well. What are the vibes like when you go back to your hometown? Are you like the big man on campus? Do you ever see anybody <laughs> that you know from like your high school? Because I lived in different places for such a long time that mm -hmm. when you move back to your hometown, you like go to Walmart and you're like, oh my God, I know that person. I've got a duck behind this aisle because I really don't want to talk to this person. Did you see anybody that you knew back from your childhood? Well, this is now this is not my home hometown, but I, that's a good question ah. because so my parents live in Granbury, Texas, which is about an hour outside of Dallas, Fort Worth that I grew up in Breckenridge, Texas, which is ah. way out West Texas. But yes, I've been home before and they're very they're very supportive, like they're very proud. And so when I've gone home before I had a, it was really sweet, a really sweet moment. This is a few years ago, and I was home as like the guest of honor for the air show, you know. And I had a guy, and I was just walking with him, and I feel really bad because I didn't remember his name. I sort of remembered him from high school. I think he was younger than me, so he wasn't in my class. But we were just talking, and he was so nice. And, he, and we're just walking up and down near the airfield. It was a blistering day and he said well i just want you to know we're, we're just so proud of you and 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 we, we we all knew like we all knew you were going to do something big and i was and I, it was it was very very sweet so i i i i always get sort of sentimental when i go back to my hometown but yeah I, i've had that experience before granberry not so much but it was i will say the best thing about going back home because Catherine and I kept it simple. My favorite part of that whole trip was we sat in the swimming pool, we put our phones aside, and we played Frisbee. And so we'd play Frisbee Ooh. for drinks. So Catherine was on one side, I was on there, just very basic. And so we'd be like, okay, here's my target, and here's your target. We'll play best two out of three, and whoever gets closest to the target, best two out of three, okay, that person wins. So the other person 
owes the winner a drink. So we played that for like just an hour and a half, just being morons. But it was great because it was so simple. That sounds like something that would be on ESPN The Ocho. Because I don't know <laughs> yes. if you've had like to watch some of these alternative sports lately because there's no football on on the weekend. So it's like Sunday morning. You're looking at like ESPN. You're like, all right, so what's on? And they have cornhole. And apparently this is a big deal. Like you yeah. see these cornhole tournaments. There was celebrities there. I think Shamar Moore, who is I think on CSI or something, he was oh, there. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I've been watching that and like pillow fights. There's been all kinds of sports oh, on yeah. ESPN this day, uh, or excuse me, like around this time of year. So like I'm ready for football to start. It has been nice piddling around and having like all of this free time. Cause like when you go on vacation and do nothing, it's nice mm -hmm. to not have anything on the schedule, but eventually you start craving, you know, what you are used to and the hustle and bustle of football season. So I think we're all kind of bracing for that to come back. And I, for one, am very ready. They also have bass fishing on the Ocho. And by the way, do yourself a favor. One of my favorite quotes, I was crying laughing the first time I saw this. Look up Michael Iconelli or Mike Iconelli, and he's competing in some sort of, of bass tournament. And he catches like the winning bass and he freaks out and he starts screaming into the camera, never give up, never give up because he caught a fish. It's Amazing. It's really old. It's an amazing look for that on YouTube. Chelsea, before we move on to golf, I just want to say when we did the fill before I left 43 bets in one day, I went 25, 18 and one on the fill. And I just want to say, I'm not bragging about this because I did not place all these bets. This just points out how ridiculous and how hard sports betting is. Because I'll tell you one thing if I did 43 bets over a, let's just say over a month span, I might have a losing record and put in hours of handicapping. I did virtually no handicapping for the fill and actually had a winning record, which just goes to show how hard it is because I literally was like, uh, uh, I think the Blue Jays are an under team at home. Let's go under. Or I think the Braves will mash tonight. Run line. It was the most basic handicapping ever and it ended up doing well. So that just goes to show how difficult this can be. I think it goes to show how addictive gambling can be because yeah. I saw how well we both did. And I thought to myself, okay, why aren't we making 25 bets every single day? Because James, he cleaned <laughs> right. up. So maybe you were overthinking some of these bets. And also, doesn't it feel better when you like have a bunch of bets and you have a winning day as opposed to, oh, well, I'm 1-0 on the day. So <laughs> right. I think you can look at it one of two ways is that like, I have a better record when I'm, you know, just going on gut feeling as opposed right. to pouring all of my time and effort into a couple of picks. And that's kind of depressing because it's like, okay, why am I wasting all of my time? But also um, a lot of gambling is up to chance. And I think people yeah. need to know that. So even though we spend a lot of time, we try to find the angles. Sometimes it's basically, you know, a coin flip. So uh, some lessons learned from betting mm -hmm. on a ton of bets. And I just don't think that I have the willpower or the patience to sweat out that many bets on a daily basis. Agreed. I could never do it. Glad we did it one time, but that is one and done for, I think, both of us. Now, Phil Mickelson, golfer, loves to bet. Since we're talking about gambling and golf, a couple days ago, Max Homa made headlines, and he was complaining that a fan at the BMW Championship yelled, pull it when he was trying to make a short putt. The fan was ejected, and the PGA said it's not a big deal. 
But apparently this is happening more and more often. Fans betting on what's going to happen during the tournament and causing a problem or two. And yesterday, John Rahm was asked about this. He had an interesting take. Take a listen. In golf, spectators are very close. And even if they're not directly talking to you, they're close enough to if they say to your buddy, I bet you 10 bucks he's going to miss it, you hear it. So it happens more often than you think. Yeah, I mean, that's... But not only that, on the tee and down the fairway. I mean, luckily, golf fans are pretty good for the most part. And, and you're hearing the positive, right? Like, I got 20 bucks to make birdie here, things like that. But uh, it's, no, it's more often than you think. Justin, what is your take on this? I, I, I certainly think it's going to become more of a problem. The question is, how does the PGA police it? They're just going to have to be very strict about it. I guess so, but... At some point, do we ever think that golf is going to turn into a sport where you can heckle the golfers? Because I think we were talking about this on the show the other day. Because it feels like one of the few sports in which you have to be perfectly quiet. Like, imagine if some baseball player who went to Philadelphia and was like, somebody was saying that I wasn't a good player. They were rooting against me. I could barely focus because every other sport... (laughs) You have this. You're supposed to focus. You are a professional. You are supposed to be able to tune these people out. And in golf, if you even make a whisper, you know, it's your fault that they miss a putt. So I don't know. It just feels weird. I hope we don't go that route. That's part of the beauty of the golf is, you know, it's quiet. You can hear the birds, the weather. Yeah. Does everything have to have fans being obnoxious? We get it all over the place. That one sport, we get a bright. Yeah, it's so true. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.